This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. You guys can go ahead and grab a seat, and good morning, everybody. And I'm looking forward to sharing some time with you today. If we haven't met yet, my name is Kevin, uh, and I'm one of the pastors here at New Life, and I just want to welcome you to church. I would love to, to meet you after service, so come grab me and just share your story. I'd love to be able to chat a little bit with you. Uh, and a few things I want to say before we dive in today, but, but well, first things first. First, you're going to want to grab this card. You're definitely going to want to grab it. Uh, you're going to use it later on. We're doing life group promotion, which means this is when you cheer. Woo! Life group promotion, which means uh, it's time for you. If you've never plugged into a community where you're safe, where you're loved, where you're accepted, where you feel like, boy, we can talk about life and about faith and about family, friendship, work, it might be time to try a life group. And I'll tell you more about that in a little bit, but you're going to use this card for that. You're also going to want our teaching notes. They'll tell you where we're going. And I just need to apologize to you right up front. Um, I I called an audible this week. So we're supposed to be starting a series today on marriage. And if you came with your spouse and if you got dragged along with your spouse, I just, I want to apologize because I know some of us were saying, yes, we cannot wait to start this series on marriage. It's going to be, it's going to be so good. It really is. I'm not, I'm not trying to brag, uh, but in my humble but correct opinion, that this is going to be the best marriage series I've ever preached, like ever. Not in limited quantity to the fact that my wife is going to be on stage with me for part of it. So, yeah. So we're all excited about that. Yeah, she only makes it better. Um, but uh, we, uh, there's something that I want to talk to our church about that God's just been stirring in me that could not wait seven weeks. And this series that we're going to do on marriage is going to be about six, seven weeks. And I just felt like we could not push it back to there. I wanted to have some conversation right here. And one of the things I love about being an independent community of faith is that we can we can do that. We can mix things up and we can have conversations. And I'm telling you, uh, that marriage series that I'm going to preach starting in two weeks is just going to get better with time. Uh, Maria and I were in the kitchen last week and I was doing dishes after dinner. And um, she said, Kevin, that sponge, amen. Yeah, amen. She said, Kevin, that sponge is, is pretty old. It's time to throw it away. And I said, no, no. Sponges actually get better with age. I said, it's like a fine wine. I said, actually, that's what people say. They say when something gets better with age, they say it's like a fine sponge. And then I just laughed and laughed at how funny I was. Like, I just thought that was hilarious. So here's what I'll tell you. This marriage series is like a fine sponge. It's just going to get better with age. I promise. So uh, just come back in two weeks. You're going to love it. Uh, and uh, hey, it's, it's been a good run. If, uh, if I say something today that offends you and you never come back, uh, or you decide to run me out of town, you know what? Uh, this week will be three years since I became your lead pastor. And I'll just say it's been a good run these last three years. Yeah, it's been fun. So I felt like We've been together enough for me to open up a conversation uh, that I feel like is the right conversation for us to have. But before we do, I want to pray as we jump in. So would you join me as we pray together as a community? I want to invite you, Lord, to guide us, to flavor our thoughts and our perspectives. I invite you, God, to remind us that we are family. That family talks, that family shares, that family disagrees, that family, um, that family is real and safe and open. And, and I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that as we, uh, as we share today, as we talk today, that you, would, that you would give us a flavor of unity, of joy, of partnership, 
God, I'm asking that you give us a picture of hope uh, in, in what I believe is a world that needs hope desperately. So God, would you lead us today? I pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, to jump in today, uh, I figure we should talk about Jesus because Jesus is a good place to start when you're at church. If you're new to church and the pastor asks a question, always answer Jesus because nine times out of 10, that is the answer to every question we have. So I want to talk about Jesus. And here's something about Jesus that you probably already know, but if you don't, I just want to bring us into this journey together. Jesus lived at what was arguably the most charged political time in human history. And you're saying, well, yes, Jesus is alive now. And now is the most politically charged time. No. Some 2,000 years ago when Jesus lived was quite possibly the most politically charged time in human history. Rome was the government. They were the ruling superpower and quite possibly the greatest superpower that had ever existed And Jesus was a Jewish man who lived under Roman leadership, Roman subjugation. The Romans had conquered the Jews. They were leading over them. So Jesus was a guy who was a Jew who lived under Roman leadership that he did not agree with, that he did not like, and yet he somehow learned how to engage with Rome. Let me tell you about Rome because I I was a history student for my undergrad and I love studying history. Let me tell you some of the markers of Rome. Roman had some, Rome had some major tenets, and I want you to listen to think, oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. Rome believed in peace through conquest, that if they could conquer enough of the people who disagreed with them, there would be peace in the world. That was their vision of peace. Rome believed in strong social projects. So Caesar Augustus, who ruled just before Jesus and up until Jesus was about 20, He had this thing where he believed he could kind of subdue the masses, appease the masses, if he gave monthly grain offerings to the people. The way he did it was high, high taxation on certain people for food for other people. He believed in in preoccupying the people. He thought, if I can keep them watching games, having fun, looking down instead of looking out, then I'll keep the masses happy. So think, um, think gladiators, think the Colosseum, uh, think chariot races. He would set up these things where these games would happen, and at the games he'd give bread to the people, so you got food, you got entertainment, and he hoped that would keep you quiet so that you did not speak about what you saw going on in the world. Rome believed in strong borders and protection of their citizens at all costs. Now, depending on where you line up politically, you just heard some things and you thought, I love that, and I hate that. I love strong borders. I don't agree with food distribution. I love food. I don't like strong borders. Who doesn't love games? But they were killing people, so I'm not, I don't know. My guess is, depending on where you line up, there are certain parts of Rome that you really resonate with. And where you line up, there are certain parts of Rome that you fundamentally disagree with. And Jesus came along, and Jesus brought about a totally different vision. Here's what he said in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. He said, The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent. That means change your thinking. 
So you used to live under Roman rule, under empire. Change your thinking. Repent. Because the good news is here. Jesus said that there is actually a different kingdom than the kingdom that people were living under. They were living under what's known as empire, the Roman empire, Roman rule. Jesus said, it's not about lining up with certain sides of empire. You actually live in a different kingdom. Here's some of the markers of Jesus' kingdom. God is the Lord of lords in this kingdom and the king of kings in this kingdom. And you and I can be adopted into God's family in this kingdom. And you and I are daughters and sons of the king. We are royalty. He said, you're a citizen of a different kingdom. But he would go on to say that we're actually dual citizens. D-U-A-L, two. We're dual citizens. We're citizens of the kingdom, and we're citizens of whatever world we find ourselves in at any particular point in history, in any geographic location. He said that all Jesus followers actually have two citizenships. And Jesus invites us, though, to embrace one citizenship over the other. He says our, our primary citizenship is in this thing called the kingdom of God. And our secondary citizenship is in whichever country we find ourselves at whatever point in history. And then Jesus said, I want to tell you about the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is your primary citizenship and it has a unifying principle. And by that I mean this. There's one principle in the kingdom of God that if it's looked at correctly will encapsulate every other principle about how you look at life. Jesus tells us what that principle is. In Matthew 22, he said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then without taking a breath, he said, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets, and there were, there were roughly 610 laws in the Old Testament of the Bible. All the law and the prophets are encapsulated, he says, in this unifying principle, love God, love others, period. And Jesus invites us to embrace the principle that loving God and loving others is our, and again, primary allegiance in the kingdom. And he says that everything we do, everything we say, everything we look at should be through this lens. How is this loving God And how is this loving people? Now, I want you to put a pin in that for a second because we're going to come back to it today and next week. At the end of Jesus' life, he's pressed on this question about these two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the empire of Rome. Because Jesus is accused by the Jews of subverting the Roman government. See, Caesar had a few statements that were commonly made about him. Caesar, they would say, is the Lord of Lords. Caesar is the King of Kings. Caesar has a kingdom that will last forever. 
Does that sound familiar? Jesus said, God is the Lord of lords. God is the King of kings. And Jesus said, I am ushering in a kingdom that will last forever. And the Jews hated Jesus, not because he said that, but because they thought he was lying about who he was. But they knew that they could not kill him. So they took him to the Romans and they said, do you know that he is setting himself up against Caesar? That he's saying that there are two kingdoms and his kingdom is above Caesar's kingdom. He's saying that there are two kings and God is above Caesar. And he went to the Roman government and the Jews went to this guy Pilate who was this Roman governor, and they said to him, you need to kill Jesus because he's claiming to be a king over Caesar. And they said to Pilate, if you do not kill him, you're no friend to Rome. And listen, no political leader under Rome wanted to be accused of not being a friend to Rome because they were next. So Pilate calls Jesus into a private room, and notice what he says to him. He took him backstage. He said, in verse 33, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus looked at him and said, is this your idea? Or has someone told you about me? Pilate looks at him and says, am I a Jew? Your own people, your chief priests have handed you over to me. Pilate says, what have you done to make them so angry? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. It's bigger and broader and more eternal than this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now, my kingdom is from another place. You are a king, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king, and in fact, that is the reason that I was born, to be king. And I came into this world to testify to the truth that there is a new kingdom reality, that everyone who becomes a follower of mine lives in a new kingdom. And then he says, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Jesus said, I'm a Jew by birth, but my kingdom is not primarily in Jewish rule. Jesus said, I'm a Jew living under Roman authority, but my kingdom primarily is not under Roman leadership. I happen to find myself under Roman rule, but I'm not defined as a Roman or a Jew because my kingdom is other and greater. And here's why this is so important. Because in the language of the Bible, and again, I I didn't write it, I'm just reading it, okay? In the language of the Bible, every government in human history has traces of empire in it. Every government. A monarchy, a democracy, every government has traces of empire. And friends, we live under empire. And I don't just mean in this last political election, because some of you Democrats are like, yeah, empire. No, this is where I'm going to start taking people off. No. For our entire lives, we have lived under empire. We live under, listen, the Democrats have one side of it. Democratic empire looks like food for all, high taxes for some. The Republicans have one side of it. It looks like strong borders protect our citizens at all costs. But they're both just different faces of empire. 
They're just different faces of the same thing. And Jesus says our primary allegiance is not to empire. Our primary allegiance is to kingdom of God, not empire of this world. And before you say, yeah, Trump, yeah, Obama, listen, it's just different faces of the same empire. And eight years from now, you'll be happy or you'll be sad, depending on where you land, if, if your primary allegiance is to empire. Listen, I've traveled to somewhere around 10 or 12 countries in my short lifetime. I've been to a country where I was going to preach, or we're about to get on the bus, and our host says to us, we can't go to this church today because there's a rally happening on the way to where we need to get to this little village church to preach. And if they see you, a white guy and a Christian, they will start throwing rocks at the bus. They will try to stop the bus. They will pull you out and they will beat you. So I didn't go. I hopped in a rickshaw and I bought this really fantastic spray-painted gold watch that I'll have to show you sometime. It is a great watch. <laughs> because when God gives you lemons, you make gold watches. I'm going to say something that you may disagree with, and that's okay. I believe we live under one of the greatest empires that we could live under. I believe we do. You might not agree with that, and that's okay. But I believe we do, where there is freedom to disagree. There is freedom to hop on social media. It's not right, and we're going to talk about that in a second. But there's freedom to hop on social media and say, not my president— And you don't have to worry that someone's going to come to your door and throw you in prison or kill you. We live under, I believe, one of the great empires in our country. I've been around the world. I've seen different versions, different faces, but we still live under empire. And our hope must never be an empire. Never. I put it this way. Jesus followers are called to coexist peacefully. To coexist peacefully under empire to the best of our ability. But our primary hope is not in any form of empire. We're called to coexist peacefully to the best of our ability. Paul says, to the best of your ability, live at peace with all people, as far as depends on you. He acknowledges the fact that sometimes people will make you their enemy. And you cannot live at peace with them. But he says, as far as depends on you, live at peace with others. How do we do it? Well, we do it with this principle of love being our unifying ethic. Love God, love neighbor, is the unifying principle, the defining principle of Jesus' kingdom. We're called to live and coexist peacefully under empire, but our hope is not in empire. And when our hope is in empire, a lot of bad things happen. And I want to talk about that. I I titled this message, and it's pretty clever, so I was pretty proud of it. Uh, I'll just say that. I titled this message, dual, D-U-A-L, dual citizenship. That means two versus dual citizenship, D-U-E-L. That means fight. And if we don't understand that we have dual citizenship, we will, and we see our country doing this, have dual citizenship. Can we agree that when your hope is an empire, it creates fights? 
It creates in and out, right and wrong. And it creates division and tension. Do you know the main thing Jesus prayed for about his church? Make them one as we are. He's talking about he and God the Father. As we are one. But if we do not understand the nature of dual citizenship, we will never be one as Jesus prayed. Because we will have dual citizenship. I actually have a fencing sword in my office. It's coming for next service. Yes. So let's talk about what it looks like when our primary hope is in empire. And again, every country in the world has lived under some form of empire. You can agree or disagree that this is a good empire, a bad empire, but every country has some form of it. And when our primary hope is in empire, anyone who disagrees with us becomes our enemy. Anyone who disagrees with us becomes our enemy. And I want to say this as gently as I can. If you find yourself saying things like, or thinking things because your filter is better than mine, you find yourself thinking things like, I hate liberals. I hate Trump. I hate conservatives. How could anyone be a Christian and vote that way? Your citizenship, primary citizenship, is in this country at that moment. Because you have made an enemy out of someone you disagree with. And you would say this, no, they have made me their enemy. I didn't make them my enemy. He made me his enemy. Let me ask you a question. In the kingdom... What are we supposed to do with our enemies? Hold on, hold on, hold on. I think I know because I've been watching. We're supposed to slam them on Facebook. That's what Jesus says to do about your enemies. We're supposed to to create, you know, make jokes about how stupid our enemies are, how unintelligent they are, how racist they are, how sexist they are. That's what we're supposed to know. All right, now I'm getting excited. I'm so sorry if it's your first time at church, but it's time to talk as family, okay? It's family time here. This is family. We're in the living room. We're having a good conversation. We had a nice glass of wine, maybe two. It's family time now. (laughs) It's only coffee. My mom gave me this cup. It says the Sermonator. It seemed appropriate for today. Let me see if I remember, because I'm just a simple boy. I believe what Jesus says is, love your enemy and pray for those who you consider persecuting forces. He did not say, sit around and crack jokes, act elitist, make fun of, build walls against your enemy. And again, I'm talking to Jesus followers here because we are kingdom citizens first and country citizens second. But when we get that backwards and our primary citizenship is in any given country, we make enemies out of anyone who disagrees with us. And we will divide a church that God has called to be united. It doesn't mean we don't talk. I'm going to talk about how we do that in a minute. But Jesus prayed, make them one as we are one. And my heart grieves when I see us, the family of God, who can put up with this guy, making enemies out of our siblings. That's heartbreaking. When our primary citizenship is in this country or in in empire, in the language of the Bible, we lose 
our voice as kingdom citizens to speak hope into our world. Here's why. Because we feel that we need to defend our version of empire at all costs. I genuinely believe that Jesus' followers who put kingdom first will vote across the aisle. Because there are certain issues that the Democrats get right. And there are certain issues that the Republicans get right. There are certain issues that the independents get right. There are certain issues that the libertarians get right. I'm giving a little shout out to my libertarian friends. There are certain issues that, listen, but that we can only do that when we confess the fact that our primary citizenship is in the kingdom. And our primary guiding ethic in the kingdom or guiding principle in the kingdom is how to best love people. So I can vote over here on this issue and over here on this issue because I believe that's the best way to love people. But when my primary citizenship is in a country and my secondary citizenship is in the kingdom, I have to back everything my party says. And I'm missing it. And we lose our unique kingdom voice. We just lose it. It's gone. And I'm telling you, then it gets co-opted by political Christians who are politics first, Christian second. But when our primary hope is in kingdom, we can disagree with each other without vilifying the other person. We can have kind, humble, thoughtful discourse. Because we've got this guiding principle that we love all people, even when we disagree with them. And we maintain our distinct voice as Jesus' followers in a world that is becoming increasingly polarized. I need somebody's help on stage. First person to jump up is with me. All right, Shauna, come on up. That's brave. I'm sorry. With today's message, that is brave. Come on up. I want to show how this plays out. Hey, why don't you stand over here? Hey, good to see you. Nice. Okay. If we are primary... Empire citizens, if that's, our first, if that's our first thing. Let's say you are a hardcore liberal. I am a hardcore conservative, okay? We're on the, like, we are the extreme ends of the spectrum. That's right. Yeah, that's good. When our citizenship is primarily in empire and we disagree with each other, we have an issue here and you are my enemy. And the only way that I can win is by defending my point and fighting with you. And if I can't fight with you on the issue, I can fight with you as a person. And ultimately, we will just build a wall. Because listen, here's the issue, and we are fighting with each other about the issue. Do you notice that, 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 that there's an aisle that divides? Okay, but if we're kingdom citizens, and love God and love people is our guiding principle, then we can disagree on how to best love people because we agree that loving people is best. You're going to want to write that down. That was good. I've been working on that all week. We can disagree on how to best love people because we agree that loving people is best. So now all of a sudden, Shauna and I come over here together and we've got, we've got this issue about how to best love people. It's a, it's a social issue. It's a global issue. It's a political issue. And because of where Shauna grew up, her gender, her age, um, life experiences, she thinks the best way to love people is through a certain direction. Because of where I grew up, my gender, my age, my life experience, my family of origin, my culture, I think that the best way to love people 
is from this perspective. But here's the great thing. We both agree that the best thing to do is to love people. We both agree because we're kingdom citizens. And kingdom citizens have a guiding principle of loving people. So now we get together and I say, hey, Shauna, how how do you think we should best love these people? She says, well, I think it should go this direction, socially, politically, activist-wise. She says, well, Kevin, how do you think we should best love people? And I say, well, I think it should go this direction, socially, politically, activist-wise. But we are not fighting each other anymore. We're discovering together how to best love people because we believe that loving people is best. And it doesn't matter if I'm a Republican and she's a Democrat. It doesn't matter. And she's not my enemy. She's not an idiot because she believes in social programs. And I'm not an idiot because I believe in a border. All of a sudden, we are just trying to figure out as Christians, as Jesus followers, how to best love people because loving people is best. Thank you, Shauna. You can go on down. Yeah, thank you. Is this starting to, uh, to gain some clarity? Okay, is this different than the way most of us view country? No, no, no. This is how I view it all the time. Yeah, right. <laughs> liar, liar. If we, if we do not understand our place in the kingdom, then we cannot be a unique voice in the world. And the world is longing for a unique voice. Next week, I'm going to take a risk. And I'm going to see if we can't, with eyes of kingdom citizens, if we can't look at the refugee crisis that's happening in our world right now. And I want to look at it the best I can outside of politics and say, as kingdom citizens, how do we understand the refugee crisis that's happening first? And then we can disagree politically on how to engage that. But can we look at this as kingdom citizens first? Because according to a partnership of World Vision and the Willow Creek Association, one in every 113 people in the world is currently a refugee. One in every 113 people. It is the single greatest humanitarian crisis in the world today. And as Jesus followers, with a kingdom mindset, we should be asking questions about how to best love people, because loving people is best. And then as citizens of this country, we can decide in conversation together, as families, independently, how to best vote and support and act. But we've got to do it as kingdom citizens first. And people have asked me, why haven't you talked about this yet? And in fact, I got some criticism uh, about it. Like, why haven't you been talking, Kevin? New life came under attack. And here's why I haven't been talking. In days past, in my younger years, and by the way, I'm sneaking up on 36. Hey, pretty excited about it. Like a fine sponge. In my younger days, I would have immediately said something on stage. And it would have been ill-informed. And it would have been rash. It would have been somewhat condescending, a little bit superior. It would have been reactionary, and it would have divided our church. But my goal is to unite a family together. 
and I'm learning the wisdom of James, which I memorized this verse, one of my first verses I memorized after marriage. And I've always thought about it in the context of marriage. But I realized it is a wisdom principle for life. James, the half-brother of Jesus, says this, my dear brothers and sisters, he's talking to Jesus' followers, take note of this, everyone, it's pretty all-encompassing, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because the anger Because anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Because anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So I have been doing that. Quick to listen. Quick to listen to both sides as Christians talk about the humanitarian crisis going on. Quick to read and study. I, I read the entire executive order. And I would ask, if, if you're going to make comments, don't make it based on two paragraphs that your, your particular political bent has written on your newsfeed. It took me three different sittings to read through the entire executive order and actually digest it. But I did, before saying anything. I've been, I've been, I've been looking at Christian responses modern-day Christian responses to refugees, tradition, Christian traditional responses to refugees, and biblical responses to orphans, to widows, to foreigners. And next week, I just want to talk about what I'm discovering as I've been quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And hopefully, hopefully help us have a kingdom perspective on a humanitarian issue. And I'm asking you, to come next week with open hands, with open hearts, to come next week with open minds and to talk, to listen, and to remember that we can disagree on how to best love people because we agree that loving people is best. And then let's see what God does with individuals, with families, with life groups, with the church. Um, I want to talk to you for a second. If you've never become a follower of Jesus, you've never entered into the kingdom, you've never entered into the family of God, I want to invite you, enter in now. Allow God to, to lead and guide and shape you. We're told that God not only forgives us of the wrongs we've done, but he empowers us with his spirit to live the life we were called to live. And he brings us into his family, his community. I want to invite you into the family of God right now. So would you join me as we pray? Lord, would you, would you continue? And, and really, I mean that, God. Continue, because you're already doing it. Would you continue to unite us together as your family, as brothers and sisters in faith? Would you continue to show us what it looks like to be citizens of the kingdom of God first and citizens of our country second. And I want to thank you for the freedom you've given us, God, to think differently from each other, to vote differently from each other. I want to thank you for a country that creates the space for us to think differently from each other and vote differently from each other and have dissenting opinions on 
everything. And God, would you make us a church that knows our place in kingdom so that we can be a people who knows how to engage with our family. And if you're here today and you're ready to enter into the kingdom of God, to become part of God's family, to become a follower of Jesus, you can repeat the simple prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me, that you've called me to yourself, that you've forgiven me of my sins, that you gave your life to pay the penalty for my sin. And I want to walk with you. So would you come into my life? Would you fill me with your spirit? Would you forgive me of my sin? And would you show me how to walk in this new kingdom? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.